Natalie Bensavanga. And I'm Tony Norman. And this is In Other News, the podcast that is not afraid to go there. Where? Anywhere the story takes us. You concerned about speaking your mind? Me? Yeah, right. You? Ha! <laughs> Let's go, Nat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In Other News, episode seven. I'm Natalie Bensavango with my wonderful and very matchy-matchy co-host, <laughs> Tony Norman. How are you, Tony? Feeling good, feeling good. It's, yeah? it's nice. It's a nice day out there, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's nice to be with you, Nat. It's nice to be with you, and we're actually mm-hmm. recording this on International Women's Day, so shout out to all the women and gender-expansive people fighting for our rights, because right. we need to play a little catch-up here, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> man. Man, and speaking of, we've got so much to talk about today. So are you ready, Tony? As ready as I'm ever going to be, <laughs> given this subject matter. <laughs> well, we're going to kick things off with something actually really positive, I think. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Governor Josh Shapiro's new budget and the plans that he has laid out. This is his first sort of big official conversation with the public and media around what he's bringing to the table this year. And there were some really incredible highlights. Right. I mean, every governor's budget is a declaration of that governor's values. Yes. And we voted for a progressive mm-hmm. um, governor. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got. Yeah. Um, certainly the alternative would have been horrific. Oh, we'll and save we'll that for later. That. Yeah. <laughs> little teaser. Yeah, there um, you go. But let's, let's drill down a little bit and talk about some of the, the topics in today's hot takes. Mm. Thinking about all of the many plights that are impacting the people of Pennsylvania. That was a lot of peas in that sentence. Let's kick things off with talking about how he wants to raise Governor uh, Shapiro the, the minimum wage from $7.25, drum roll. There you go. To $15 an hour. And how he, are we feeling about well, that number? We, you know, we we're, we're feeling better about the fifteen. Yeah, but it is nowhere near no. what it needs to be. Fifteen I mean, would have worked like in twenty ten. Exactly. I mean, you really have to be uh, realistically speaking, you have to be more between twenty two and twenty five mm-hmm. just to keep even um, with inflation. Well, Tony, would you believe it or not, and I think you'll believe it, that the Republicans are not on board of with this not. idea around raising the minimum wage and said that it is not necessary. Right, right. And and it seems amazing that a lot of these Republicans represent people in rural areas mm-hmm. who would just kill mm-hmm. to be able to have, you know, a livable wage yes. and be able to um, to do the things that, that people in the cities and, and, and people who are making, you know, $25 an hour and more take for granted. Well, and what bothers me about that, too, is when I'm looking at a lot of the things that Shapiro wants to do, one of them is, you know, raising the income threshold for a state property tax and re- rent rebate program for older adults from 35000 to 45000 a year. These are all initiatives that impact everyone, not just one party or another. So I find it fascinating that oftentimes... The Republicans are sort of, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face. Exactly. I mean, a situation like that that helps raise all boats, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you would think would be eagerly embraced by um, people in both parties. But mm-hmm. there really is an ideological uh, resistance to the idea that there are so many people who have not earned that. And yes. so they don't want to see anyone. Uh, get a um, benefit from the government mm-hmm. um, that they don't deserve. 
unquote. Quote, yes. Right. And, and I always find that interesting because we're the government. Like exactly. we fund the government. We the people. We I, the people. I so it's read like it somewhere. That's our money. <laughs> that's what I'm always just amazed about. Like, give me back my money. Like, if not for this, then for what? And one of those um, programs that I find important, very important, that he is focusing on is that he's going to invest 16 million in SNAP benefits right. to mitigate the loss of food benefits for older adults and for people with disabilities. And I think that is something once more that we can all get behind. Exactly. Exactly. And there's been a lot of conversation, you know, around what's going on in our local government as it pertains to mental health supports, not just for the people, which Shapira also supports increasing funding around those, but for our, our local and uh, elected officials themselves. And we received right. an update recently um, on Fetterman and his health. And there were photos that his staff took of him working in the Walter Reed Medical Center, where he's currently receiving treatment for mental health. Care. Right. Senator John Fetterman uh, has been uh, struggling with uh, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, following his stroke um, last year. And, um, you know, it's very encouraging to mm -hmm. see um, the support that he's received from his constituents and from across um, Pennsylvania and across the country. Um, but, you know, sometimes, and we also have uh, an, another senator who mm -hmm. is uh, struggling with health issues, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Senator Casey. Mm -hmm. uh, so th th we've been, you know, sort of quietly talking yeah. about um, worst case scenarios yeah. and, and what happens if one or both of these uh, senators are incapacitated. Mm -hmm. You know, what, how do we deal with uh, filling those spots? Yeah. And I didn't know this. And I'm guessing if I didn't, probably a lot of other people didn't either, because this isn't something I think that you right. would really figure out on your own unless you were looking for it. But Pennsylvania is one of the states that would give the governor uh, no restrictions mm -hmm. to appoint um, somebody to the Senate for the remainder of their term. There's no special election or anything required for that. So if for mm -hmm. whatever reason, you know, uh, Senator Casey or uh, Senator Fetterman could not fulfill their duties or needed to step away to take care of their health, it is Josh Shapiro, Governor Josh Shapiro, that would exactly. appoint someone in their place. And thank goodness it would be Josh Shapiro because, right. as we know, Mastriano... Doug, who, who ran for governor. Who ran and lost. Thank God. Thank God. He is now pivoting his plans because, and I quote, what do you do with a movement of 2.2 <laughs> million people? He recently said this to Politico. This is one of the very few mainstream, quote unquote, um, interviews that he's ever given. And he said, we're keeping it alive, meaning he wants to mobilize these 2.2 million people that voted for him um, as he looks to potentially eye a Senate run. What do you think right. of that? He's, he's looking at uh, Bob Casey's Senate seat, mm -hmm. and which is uh, up in uh, 24. And uh, he thinks that he has a grassroots movement, even though he was, he lost spectacularly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the gubernatorial race. Um, but it doesn't seem to have um, penetrated his dome yet. So he's waiting for God to give him a sign. Mm. And, and then, his wife, I heard. And his wife. His wife you know. gets the final say after God. <laughs> how fitting on International Women's Day that the woman is going to get the final say. Well, that's the natural order of success. <laughs> Thank you, it? Tony. Thank you. I'll tell my husband that. Um, no, but, you know, all joking aside, what concerns me so much about Mastriani Mastriano or any extremist mm. on the right running is we're seeing how that terrifying rhetoric 
right. of truly wanting to erase entire groups of people is actually coming into play in a policy way in other states around the country. And for example, what's going on in Tennessee with basically trying to ban drag and how that could implicate people that are just going to visit the state. Mm -hmm. And also, if it can be done there, right. it can be done anywhere. We cannot take our foot off the gas. Right. I mean, criminalizing drag. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just banning it. It would become a felony. It, you know, and how do you enforce something like that without becoming a police state, literally? But that's what they want. You, I think that's where this is all headed. Is that They want a big brother, quote unquote, but in a very sinister, dark way. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but... I'm also very dramatic today, so. <laughs> but you, you may be right. I mean, because, you know, who would have thought? And, and it seems to be that all of these um, laws and, um, you know, all of these attempts to sort of like police mm -hmm. gender mm -hmm. and, you know, it's they always have like a long term plan. Mm -hmm. Like with abortion, mm -hmm. there's a long term strategy that the right wing had. Mm -hmm. um, and they're willing and patient enough to devote decades mm -hmm. uh, to this particular strategy. Mm -hmm. And in this case, is trans people mm -hmm. and eradicating them. Mm -hmm. I mean, using the language of some of the most hostile mm -hmm. folks and theorists mm -hmm. um, when it comes to this issue. Absolutely, because if you're looking at abortion and you're looking at the issues plaguing our gender expansive communities, there's a ton of overlap here because what this really comes down to is the policing of bodies yes. and saying, because you are a gender, you do not have the same bodily autonomy as another group of people. Mm. And that, to me, if we're, if we're looking at what terrifies me, if you're gonna start dehumanizing one group of people, it is just a slippery slope, as you and I both know, mm. as how this will continue to impact all of us, no right. matter our race, mm -hmm. our gender, our socioeconomic class, they're gonna come for all of us eventually. So we need to stay diligent. And, you know, Tony, on this show, we love talking to people that aren't just discussing the issues, but actually doing things in our own communities to help eradicate or alleviate some of these problems. And all of these issues intersect. So stay tuned for the drill down because we're going to chat with someone who's working at the intersection of food insecurity and social justice on our college campuses. You're listening to In Other News. Thanks for joining us. All right, we are thrilled to drill down today with Susie Fishman. She is the founder of Meet My Needs, and that's with a K-N-E-A-D-S, and a pur purveyor of brain-healthy spice blends. Susie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for coming, I'm Susie. I'm thrilled. Thanks. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yes. So today we want to talk a little bit about, one, your connection to Pittsburgh, your organization and how it began, and really some of these uh, interac interacting uh, social issues uh, that we've been discussing, which re really focuses mm -hmm. on uh, racial justice, social justice, and food insecurity. So just to kick things off, we know that you do have a Pittsburgh tie. So can you share a little bit about your background? Sure. I'm a Pittsburgh girl, born and raised in Squirrel Hill, and I'm a proud graduate of the University of Pittsburgh School of Engineering. All right. I won't tell you which year. That's but, fair. Uh, That's fair. But you don't live in Pittsburgh anymore. 
I don't. Our, our family has moved to Palo Alto, California, here in Silicon Valley, in uh, Stanford University's backyard. But uh, once a Pittsburgh girl, always a Pittsburgh girl. So we still you still root for, for the Steelers. Steelers, really? You know it, Steeler Nation. <laughs> wow. Okay. You're a real Yenzer. <laughs> he says with love. <laughs> um, no, but that's wonderful. And, you know, we've been talking about so many things that are all of these moving parts that are intersecting and happening in our communities. And what I when I hear somebody that's a Pittsburgher, always a Pittsburgher, is this idea that we always like to roll up our sleeves and get involved with the things that really matter and impact our communities. So please share with everyone um, your connection to the world of food insecurity, because that's something we really want to get into today. And as it pertains to kids on campuses. Yes. College thank campuses. You. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, first of all, food, what is food insecurity? A lot of people don't even know what the definition of that is. What it means is that you do not have access to healthy, nutritious food on a reliable basis. It means that you are not necessarily hungry 100% of the time. It means that your money runs out by the end of the month. In the last week of the month, you just don't have money to buy food and you're food insecure. You don't know where that next meal, that next nutritious meal is coming from. So uh, I started Meet My Needs sort of during the pandemic as everyone got into baking um, and I wanted to build community online around baking. And so I, you know, everybody has their, their favorite bread, the bread that they grew up with. I started baking bread and teaching people how to bake bread. And in my research around bread, um, and I also spice all of my bakes, in my research related to spicing and baking, I came across an organization called Hala for Hunger. They have now rebranded themselves as Nazun, N-A-Z-U-N.org. Um, but they were addressing the issue of food insecurity on college campuses. And I was shocked to find out that actually one in three students, college students in the U.S. experiences food insecurity at some point during their college career. And a lot of them on a regular basis. So from there, I did more research and I found another organization called Swipe Out Hunger, swipeouthunger.org. And they are leading the charge for addressing this issue. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, as a University of Pittsburgh engineering student and uh, someone who has sort of an industrial engineering mindset, I immediately recognize this problem as a supply chain problem, as a communication and culture problem, as a, an awareness problem. So, and it's it's a solvable problem. Mm -hmm. And probably you're like me, you know, so many of the problems in the world, homelessness, you know, climate change, you feel overwhelmed yes. by those problems. What can I do? But when I saw food insecurity on college campuses, immediately I said, that is a solvable problem. And I want to support that and address that. Some of the numbers that uh, we came across in researching this are really astounding. I think, um, what was it, 40% of, of people, students of color. So it was actually 50, 50%. It was actually 50%. So there was a 2018 survey of 6,000 students in about 11 uh, regional institutions found that almost 50% of black and Latino students were food insecure and 30% of white students were food insecure. That we mm -hmm. were both blown away by that. 
Right, right. You know, because it seems that when you're in college, you're surrounded by pizza boxes and right. all sorts of stuff. But that's not necessarily nutritious. And I wonder if that's also part of the calculus that a lot of students are eating junk or is it just that they're not eating at all? Mm -hmm. uh, it's both, actually. And just to add to your statistics, most of those are women and a lot of them are women who have a child and are supporting a family. So, um, you know, what do you think is the average age of a college student on college campuses? What would you say is the age? I mean, I would assume 19, 20. Sure. Tony, you want to take a guess? I, I'm with you. Yeah. We're over here yeah. agreeing. <laughs> so the average age, the average age is 26. Wow. And so a really? lot of these students, yes, a My lot goodness. of these students have, you know, they've saved up money to go to college. Maybe they're the first person in their family to ever oh. go to college. They've been working hard to get there. They may have a child already or a family to support. They have expenses. They have some debt yeah. built up already. And now here they are trying to make a better life for themselves and their families. And they don't have enough money to pay for food. And so it's actually shocking, but it's a solvable problem. And uh, there are ingenious ways that these organizations have joined together to um, to solve it. And they're and they're already making a lot of progress. Uh, is this a problem that's um, recognized by the administrations of of these schools? I mean, is this something that's talked about openly, you know, uh, at school associations and, you know, do, do alumni know about this? Well, is, is this invisible? Great question, because just like you're uh, talking about the statistics and the data behind this, at one point, there wasn't data. We weren't counting how many students fell into this category. They were kind of hidden and no one knew about them. So I'm thrilled that you brought that to the forefront because Swipe Out Hunger, Hala for Hunger and organizations like this are joining in a coalition with administrations of universities now, and they're collecting the data. And you know, if you collect the data, then you can start to solve problems. So they're um, also working with uh, legislators in different states um, and uh, different organizations, private and public, to address the problem. Yeah, because a lot of this, I always think of you know, poverty is really a policy choice. And we have a new governor, Governor Shapiro, and he has really been highlighting food insecurity, especially within elementary schools and high schools as, you know, having free school breakfasts and free school lunches, like a new permanent thing. So it's important that we do have legislature and government behind these initiatives. But when we don't particularly have that momentum, it's organizations like yours that are really coming in to highlight and bring attention and awareness. So can you speak a little bit to what you're, you're up to these days and um, how people can get involved and help end hunger on campuses? Mm. Yeah, thank you. So um, when I saw this problem, I always said, I have to help. You know, I'm uh, in addition to being an engineer and a businesswoman, I have three children that we've put through college. And I can't imagine sending my kids to college without a meal program or a secure way to access food. And so, how can I not help another person's child get through? A college and stay in school. And so what I decided to do was that I was going to sell spice blends online uh, at memymyneeds.com and 100% of profits go to address food insecurity on college campuses. I donate directly to 
uh, Nazun and to Swipe Out Hunger, two organizations that are amazing and doing great work. I didn't want to get in their way by starting another nonprofit of my own. So I am really at their service to support them and they're doing amazing work. So um, if you buy the spice blends, then 100% of the profits go to address food insecurity. I call it a win-win-win because you get great spice blends. Um, you know, uh, we get to support food insecurity by donating to the organizations, doing the hard work, and then also I make new friends. Well, we appreciate you so much. And as we wrap up this segment, is there a promo code or something that people can check out specifically on your website if they want to order the spices? Sure, sure. So I have a special promo code for your listeners and audience. It's Pittsburgh. If you go to meetmyneeds.com, just type in Pittsburgh as the promo code, and you'll have a discount on your um, purchase. And I thank you so much for uh, shedding the light on this um, on this issue. I want to give a special shout out to your former governor, Wolf, who um, has a uh, allocated a million dollars to address this mm. in the state of Pennsylvania. Governor Shapiro is doing even one better and is uh, supporting $2 million. Uh, he added an additional $1 million to the budget um, to support college students. And as well, there's representatives Jennifer O'Mara, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta, Senator Carolyn Kamita. When you go vote, please support those candidates because they are addressing food insecurity for all of our students. Um, and, um, hopefully we we're making progress and we can, uh, in the future, not have hungry students on our college campuses, keep those students in school and they'll end up being productive members of our community, making our community stronger. Absolutely. I love how tapped in you are to Pennsylvania politics, even though you're out on the West coast. Now that is just, that is once mm -hmm. a Pittsburgh girl, always a Pittsburgh girl. Thank you so you know much, it. Susie, for joining us and stay tuned for our final thoughts. You're listening to In Other News. Thanks for tuning in. That was so great chatting with Susie. And it really got me thinking about all of these different intersections. And something that you know that's kind of near and dear to me as we're heading into final thoughts is the topic of healthcare. Absolutely. It's near and dear to me too. Believe me. Absolutely. I think it's near and dear to all of us at this yeah. point. And mm. part of that is because of the lack of healthcare in our communities. And Something that I've been really thinking about was I just saw this article in Pittsburgh Magazine recently, and it says how a University of Pittsburgh junior is helping families pay their medical bills. The Pakistani immigrant founded the nonprofit Spread the Love Projects. That so far, it has raised $17,000. He worked as an EMT, a volunteer. His name is Imad Khan. And he realized people were telling him, please don't take me to the uh, hospital. I can't afford the ambulance ride, which makes me feel sick to my stomach. And so being, right. you know, a, a, an awesome human that he is, he decided mm -hmm. to start this fund. Mm -hmm. And on the surface, I think that's you know, a beautiful it's a thing. Very, it's very noble on the surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, this, this young man, you know, shows that he has a big heart and, mm -hmm. and that he is looking at uh, a, a, a big issue in American society. Um, the failure of our, uh, you know, medical uh, establishment to be able to uh, address the needs of, of, of ordinary people without it costing an arm and a leg. And of course, it's complicated by the fact that uh, in the university context, uh, especially like at Pitt, mm -hmm. uh, which is the, the chief employer in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh 
and the chief landlord in Oakland um, and has incredible endowment. Mm -hmm. um, does it really need charity efforts to, to, to do this? Um, and, uh, and I think not. Yeah. And what makes me kind of angry <laughs> mm -hmm. about this whole thing is Spread the Love has partnered with UPMC Children's Hospital Foundation, mm -hmm. and they're allocating a portion of the proceeds towards providing resources for children and their families in that system. Once again, on the surface, I love what he's doing. This is mm -hmm. not a criticism at all of right. his efforts. I think this is clearly an indication of where we are as a society, that individuals are starting to create these basically insurance funds for other people so that they have access to this money. But what frustrates me is something as big as UPMC doesn't need to be taking a portion of these funds. And, and I find it a little disturbing that we're still in 2023 having a conversation that people can't afford to go buy ambulance to the hospital, have their medical needs exactly. met. That exactly. to me is the larger issue. But as always, you know, we're not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk. So there are so many great ways to activate in your communities and we'll have all of them listed um, in the uh, show notes here. So you can check those out at nextpittsburgh.com. Check out Tony's column while you're over there as well. And as always, everyone, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourselves and each other. And Tony and I will be back next week with more matching outfits. All right. And spreading <laughs> the love as usual. That's right. In Other News is a presentation of Next Pittsburgh and is proudly produced by us, along with our amazing team, Emma Honcharski and Margie Ruttenberg. Our editor is Sorgatron Media and original music by Jack Swing. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please like and share this episode and rate and review us wherever you're listening. It really helps us grow. And if you're listening on the Next Pittsburgh website, take a minute to take a look around to learn more about all the cool stuff happening in our hometown.